keep us in mind. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you, once again, are glad to be here? Can I see your hand? Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them you are super blessed. Uh, get ready. Something good is coming your way right now. Look, look, look on the other direction, turn the other direction, just give them a big smile, flash a big smile and say, you know what? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read in just a moment verse 9 and 10. Romans chapter 1 verses 9 and part of verse 10. And as you're finding that verse, I'm just going to pray, if nothing else, for my benefit, maybe yours too, I believe. Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you for the great and mighty Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, the guide on the inside. And we ask you to take us where we need to go. Show us what we need to see. Give to us what we do not yet have. I pray, Father, for every heart that it would be open and receptive, every ear a listening ear, every mind an undistracted mind. We praise you, Lord. We believe that not one person will leave this place untouched or unchanged. And we give you all the glory and all the honor forever, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Someone shout amen. amen. Notice with me this scripture, Romans chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It says, I'll read from the English Standard Version, but you follow me in your Bible. It says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. So there are some occupations that are primarily physical in nature. The main requirement for the job is just brute strength, you see. And there are other vocations where a sharp intellect or a keen mind is the prerequisite. You mostly work just with your mind. But the work of God is done spirits. Paul said, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. So I want to talk a little bit about developing your spirit, growing and developing your spirit with the help of God's Holy Spirit. You know this, that man exists on three dimensions. He is spirit, soul, and body. And this fact is expressed in numerous scriptures, many. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, You shall love, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, or all your strength. Then again, in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, it says, May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, a lot of people say, well, your spirit is your soul. But if that's true, why did Paul list them separately in this verse? Why does the book of Deuteronomy list them separately, you see? So with my body, I contact the physical world around me. That goes without saying. With my heart or my spirit, 
I contact the spiritual realm, I connect with God. And with my mind, I reason and express emotions. And many people in the church world are trying to reach God the wrong way. For example, in some places, you know, you might hear people say things like, you know, lift your hands higher so God will hear you. You know, well, if that's the case, then why not bring them up on the platform? Or better yet, why not have them stand on the top of a ladder? Then they'd really be high and their prayers would be answered. Or maybe sometimes people in certain churches might say, shout louder so God will hear you. Well, why not give them a microphone? Then, then, they, then God would really answer their prayer, you see. They're trying to get an action just in the physical, just with the body only. Then again, you know, in some places people are trying to connect with God through their emotions in the soulish realm. I attended a conference, a crusade rather, in India, and the evangelist gave an altar call, and then he, he said to the people, cry, go ahead and, and cry, because when God sees those tears, his hand moves. Well, I, th- I was standing on the platform. I was just a guest there, but I thought to myself, well, if that's the key to answered prayer, why not give everyone an onion? You know, as they entered, as they, as they entered the, 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 the arena, just had the ushers, here's your onion, and we'll, we'll all cry, and, and therefore we'll all, we'll all get our needs met, you know. But you see, that's not scriptural, actually. In John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The Williams translation says God is a spiritual being. So those who worship him must worship with their spirits to connect with God. So, you know, worship is really prayer. You know, if we wouldn't pray it, we shouldn't sing it. Isn't that true? In fact, worship is the highest kind of prayer. So if in the highest kind of prayer, if the highest kind of prayer, the kind of prayer that the Father is seeking must come from our inner man, it must originate from our spirits, then certainly all the lesser kinds of prayers must be made the same way, right? In Jeremiah 29 verse 13, in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, it says, you will seek me Find me when you seek me with all your heart. I don't think that just means when you do it sincerely, earnestly. That's true, of course. But he means with your spirit, with your inward man. So Paul said, I serve God with my spirit. And the Greek word translated serve, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Greek word translated serve in that verse, that's Romans 1, 9, also means to worship. I worship God with my spirit. The word also means to perform priestly duties, to offer gifts to God. We could say, I give to God from my spirit. Right? Then again, I think we could take it one step further. I not only work for God, I walk with God, with my spirit. So that means if I'm going to correctly live this life, live for the Lord the way he wants me to live. See, 
It's not for us to tell God how we'd like to serve Him. It's for Him to tell us how He would like to be served. See, He wants us to serve Him with our spirit. So if we are to live this life, we must recognize and locate our spirit. What is my spirit? Well, it is the spirit of a man that receives eternal life. It's the spirit of the man that receives eternal, that is born again. Jesus said, and I know you all know this, but forgive me for just kind of laying a foundation. But Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, I'm born again and I don't see anything. But the Greek word translated see in this verse also means to know to understand, to be aware. And we use the English word see that way as well. Oh, now I see, meaning I understand, right? So a blind man cannot see color. A deaf man cannot hear music. And a spiritually dead man cannot know God. So for the sinner, it seems like God is dead. But in reality... They're the ones who are dead. That's why they need life. Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, that they might know you, the only true God. What is eternal life? Most people say, well, it means you're going to live forever. Well, friend, even the sinner is going to live forever. The only difference is he's going to live in one place and you're going to live in another. That's not what it means. Jesus said this is eternal life, that they know you. Only those who have received eternal life know the Lord. Not just know about him, but know him personally. So maybe in Lynchburg, instead of saying, are you a Christian? Because probably 9 out of 10 would say, of course I am. I ain't no Buddhist. You know, maybe instead of saying, are you a Christian? We should say, do you know the Lord? You might, you might, that might cause people to stop and, and think a little bit more. Amen? So I know him, and I know that I know him because his spirit bears witness with my spirit. It's interesting that Paul said, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. So you can know whether you're serving God the right way. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. Where is my spirit? Let me give you a couple other scriptures in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Are you still here today? It looks like you. I'm not sure. Are you here today? Don't go to the cafeteria. I'm not done yet. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says this. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Where is your spirit? If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. So that tells me that speaking in tongues is not a mental exercise. It's a spiritual activity. Amen. That's why some people struggle to pray in tongues. They're trying to decipher and figure out and, and translate in their head. So they're like, they're, they're straining because they, they, they want to they know what they're saying. No, it, it, it comes out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's why we call it an unknown tongue. Unknown to you, praise the Lord. So the more I pray in tongues, the easier it will be 
to see the distinction between my spirit and my mind because my mind is inactive or unproductive or not involved when I pray in tongues. That means you can pray in tongues and be thinking about something else. That happens. You know, some people are praying in tongues, but they're thinking about chicken. But, you know, actually, it's better to let your mind be, be still. Amen. And then again, in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're talking about where is your spirit. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, it says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Well, he must not be building up his mind because we just got through reading that when I pray in a tongue, my mind is unfruitful or unproductive. I'm building up my spirit man. I'm strengthening and charging up my spirit man when I pray in tongues. The Amplified Bible, the classic version of the Amplified Bible says he improves himself. So your wife wants you to improve. Here's a good way. Spend more time praying in tongues. So if I contact God, if I fellowship with the Father with my spirit, if I serve the Lord with my spirit, anything that improves my spirit improves my relationship with God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down. If I contact God with my spirit, anything that improves my spirit improves my relationship with God. Hallelujah. So he who speaks in an unknown tongue improves himself. Ooh, glory to God. So Brother Hagen once said this. I thought it was very remarkable. He made this statement. Every major breakthrough in my life including in the area of finances, was preceded by a protracted time of praying in other tongues. That's quite a statement. Every breakthrough, every major breakthrough in my life, including in the financial realm, was preceded by a protracted period of speaking, praying in other tongues. I mean, we, the one in some situations is that, you know, we have spirit-filled believers who never pray in the spirit. Oh, they do three shundais on Sunday morning, you know, and he bought a Chevy, she bought a Ford, and that's about it. But they don't really spend any time. He said, a protracted period of praying in other tongues. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In other words, some people don't need to fly halfway around the country uh, for counseling. They need to get on their knees and maybe just spend a little more time praying in the Spirit. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to getting counseling. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes you need to listen to the counselor who lives on the inside of you. And the reason you can't hear him is you're too weak spiritually. Amen. How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you are looking at it right now? How many have a cell phone, right? You know, how many of you have a smartphone? How many of you, your phone is smarter than you are? It's amazing the, 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 the thousands and thousands of apps we could download on our cell phone, right? I mean, we can do banking. I, you know, I can buy plane tickets. We communicate. I mean, it's just amazing. Social media, all that things, all those things. I, you know, when I, my wife first said, you want to buy a cell phone, back in the... 
early 2000 in, in Nagaland. I thought, I don't, why? She said, well, in case we ever want to call her. I said, that's a good reason not to have one. You know? She said, well, we might need it. So she convinced me to buy one. You know? Now, if we don't have our cell phone, we panic. You know, we can't live without it, right? But when that little battery goes down to zero, when it starts flashing, that little battery icon starts flashing, you know, you got 1% left. You can't even make a phone call when the battery's dead. Your spirit is an amazing thing. It has all kinds of applications. You can hear from God. You can download God's wisdom. You know, there are th- God can release grace from your spirit, all kinds of things. But when your battery is zero, it doesn't do so well. Some people got baptized with the Holy Spirit back in 1973, you know, kicked their heels and jumped for joy, and they've been running on 1% ever since then. How many of you charge up your cell phone like every day? You know, if you lose your charger somewhere, you know, you would go out and buy a new one. Amen. So he improves himself. He charges up himself. In In other words, the reason why some people are disappointed in Christianity is Their spirits are not being charged up. I walk with God with my spirit. If your battery was dead on your cell phone, would you say, this old worthless phone, I'm going to buy a new one. They just charge up the one you have. Even if you do buy a new one, you're still going to have to charge it up. Well, let's move on. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I made the point. And you know, let me read to you another scripture. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. And if you smile at me, I promise I'll smile back. In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, in the New American Standard Bible, it says this. Romans 10, 10, it says, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. I like the way that's worded. With the heart a person believes. Or we could say, with your spirit you believe resulting in righteousness. So it's not enough just to believe. We want to believe in a way that produces results. I don't want to believe just for the sake of believing. I'm believing to see results. And if I'm not seeing results, I might question whether I'm really believing the way God wants me to believe. Some people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord why they didn't work. Well, when you get to heaven, it won't matter. Why don't you ask him now? (laughs) Why don't you troubleshoot your prayers? (laughs) What's going on here? It's not working. Let's go back to the word. For with the heart. So the kind of faith that produces results begins in the heart, in the inner man, in the spirit. Now, Anything that strengthens my heart strengthens my ability to believe. Right? With my foot, I walk. If my foot is hurt, that hinders my ability to walk. With my mouth, I talk. This is very deep. With my mouth, I talk. You know, anything that, if I have a, a sore tooth, right, or, or they, you know, or, or got a, a, a canker sore on, you know, that, that can kind of, you know, kind of hinder me in my ability to speak, right? Anything that strengthens my spirit, man, strengthens my ability to believe. Amen. 
Maybe that's why in the book of Jude, the little book of Jude, it's only one chapter, and verse 20, I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. I like the way this is worded. It says, carefully build up yourselves in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Carefully build up yourselves. Well, he must be talking about your spirit. He's not talking about going to the gym or something like that. Carefully build up yourselves in this most holy faith. Some translations say make faith the foundation of your life and build on that foundation by praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in other tongues will not necessarily give you faith, but it will stimulate and strengthen your faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I got to move on because of the time constraints here. Let me give you another verse here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, instead of that, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training or exercise is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. For as it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself, Paul told Timothy. Train yourself for godliness. And he says bodily exercise has some value, but godliness has value in every way. The Greek word translated train in this verse is gomnazo, gomnazo. It's where we get the English word gymnasium. When we exercise our bodies, we develop physical strength, right? I mean, like, who who has more muscles? Arnold Schwarzenegger or me? I don't know who, the, who would be the, the top bodybuilder right now, I'm, you know. But who, if Arnold Schwarzenegger, or maybe in his prime, I guess, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was on the platform and here I am standing side by side, which one of you, which one of you would say Arnold Schwarzenegger has more muscles than me? Can I see your hands? Is there anybody that would say, I have more muscles than him? It's nice to know I'm among friends. All right. Actually, let me help you. Arnold Schwarzenegger does not have more muscles than me. Every human being has the same number of muscles. You don't get more muscles, you know, like when you turn 20. Oh, look, there's a new muscle. No, you, you, have, you were born with all the muscles you have. His muscles are more developed than mine. That means no matter who you are, you can develop spiritually. See, we have this idea, well, certain people are in this category, and God just really likes them, and nobody else will ever be in that category. Maybe certain people are called to certain ministries that that's not your assignment in life, but every one of us can develop who we are in Christ. Every one of us can grow and become the person God's called us to be. Amen. Amen. When we exercise our physical bodies, we increase in strength. We can lift things that formerly we couldn't do. We can run faster. We can run longer. We have more stamina. 
when we exercise our spirits, we increase in spiritual strength. And this spiritual strength is called godliness. This spiritual strength is called godliness. So that means ungodliness, he's writing to Christians, he's writing to Timothy, he's a Christian. Ungodliness, not living a Christ-like life, is an indication of spiritual weakness. Don't look around, just look straight ahead right now. I said ungodliness would be an indication of spiritual weakness. Are you out there today? And uh, the Greek word translated godliness, eusebia, eusebia, I think it's pronounced that way. In ancient Greece, this word, in secular writings, you know, not the Bible, but in secular writings, Greeks used this word to describe a man who, in their words, lived in close contact with the gods. They were polytheistic people, you see, but they believe in multitude of gods. But for us today, it means having the ability to walk with the Lord in close fellowship. So, to know God better will require from us more than good intentions. It's easy to come to church and say, Lord, I want to know you more. Well, that's nice, but that's like me saying I want to have more muscles. To know God more, we will have to develop spiritually. It requires more spiritual development. No one built up muscles simply because they bought a bodybuilding magazine. Nobody has their biceps and triceps built up simply because they bought exercise equipment. If that was the case, we'd all be bodybuilders right now, right? It doesn't happen by accident. Nobody, nobody developed their physique eating Cheetos on the sofa watching college football all Saturday. Now it's really quiet in here. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm just giving an example. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's an intentional choice. Right? We will not grow spiritually. We will not develop spiritually with the mere passage of time. Just because you're older doesn't mean your muscles are bigger. In fact, actually, sometimes it seems the opposite happens. The older you get, the more you got to exercise just to kind of keep up where you once were. So spiritually, there is a price to pay, and the fact is, a lot of folks are not willing to pay the price. Amen. I serve God with my spirit. Yeah, but your spirit's puny. So God is limited in what he can do with you. Amen. And notice that scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 Paul begins by saying, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. If we want to be stronger spiritually, there are some things we will have to avoid. I said there are some things we'll have to push out of our life. Right? And the Greek word translated irreverent or profane literally means accessible, common, public. So that means we can't live 
like everybody on your street. Not if we want to walk with God. There's going to have to be a difference. We can't have uncommon grace and live a common life. We're going to have to say no to certain things. People in the gym know that. People that are, that are concerned about their health know that. You know, uh, you know, here's a Coke and some nabs. No, 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 no. My son and my, my children are all into good physical health. It inspires me. But obviously it hasn't really made much of an impression. But anyways, it's inspired me. And, you know, and like, you know, one of my sons, I don't think he eats any sugar. Hasn't eaten any sugar or hardly any sugar like in all this. You know, even on my birthday, here's some cake. No, no it's got sugar in it. They're not going to eat it. You know, it's very care- they're very careful about what they eat. There's whole foods and things like that. So, you know, I could say, yeah, I'm, I'm building, you know, what about your shape, brother? Well, I have a shape. It's, you know, I'm, I'm and, um, you know. <laughs> You can look at a person and tell you know, their priorities. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in trouble now. We're all, we're all friends here. We're all among friends. Praise the Lord. Amen. So in other words, you, you can't just follow the crowd and walk with the Lord. You can't just pattern your life after every Tom, Dick, and Harry, right, and be spiritually strong. There's going to have to be a, there's going to have to be a distinction in the way we live. No pain, no gain, right? And let me go a little further. The Greek word gumnazo, I said it means to train, literally means naked. Now hold on for a second. Even today, Olympic athletes, like running a marathon, they don't compete in a, in a, in a two-piece suit. Right? You know, they wear kind of light you know, things, give them a lot of mobility, that type of thing, right? So if we're going to develop spiritually, we're going to have to strip off anything that's holding us back or slowing us down. Keep your suit on. I'm talking about spiritually now, right? Anything that's holding you back. See, some things are not necessarily wrong, but it's, if it slows you down. And the problem is if you, don't, if you don't strip off those weights, you may run out of time before you finish your race. I don't want, I, 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 you, Paul said all the runners run, but only one receives a prize. In other words, you don't get a, a certificate of participation. You, gotta, you don't get a gold medal by only going halfway. You got to finish your race. You got to complete your assignment. And some things are slowing you down and you're behind schedule, sometimes by years. So that means you're going to have to lay aside some things. Maybe fishing should not be your religion. I didn't say it's wrong to go fishing. I'm just saying if something is taking up too much of your time, and some people, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Here we go. I may need a ride home today. Some people, you know, if you talk about certain hobbies or things like that, their eyes just light up and they can talk a blue streak and, ooh, I mean, the juices are flowing, whatever that topic is, you know, motorcycles or, or hunting or cooking or whatever. Then we talk about the Lord, their eyes glaze over and they go into a comatose state. <laughs> then you go to church and say, Lord, I want to know you. And heaven goes, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's just the truth, though. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Then again, there's another thought. The Greek word gomnazo means naked. 
You're going to have to be completely transparent and honest with God. You know, maybe people go to church and kind of like, you know, pray in a way that sounds, you know, real impressive. But obviously, you know, God knows how you talk. He hears you every day. So, you know, you're not going to impress him by pretending to be somebody you're not. <laughs> right? Some of my most effective prayers were not eloquent. I remember one time I was asked to lead a, a woman's prayer meeting, you know, and these, these women were a little older. And uh, when I got, you know, they asked me to pray, when I got through praying, several of the women just said, oh, that is so sweet. He prays so sweetly. Well, I don't think, I'm not so concerned about how sweet it is. I want to know if it gets results. Anyways, praise the Lord. And you have to be honest with God because he sees right through you. You can never pull the wool over his eyes. All things are naked to him. He sees everything. So you might, he already knows it. You might as well just be honest enough to admit it. All right, Lord, I'm really messed up today. All right, now we can talk. <laughs> Hallelujah. And notice this. He said godliness. Let's say it this way. Spiritual strength. Developing your spirit man is of value in every way. 1 Timothy 4.8. It, it is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So in other words, some people think that developing spiritually is just good for heaven, but it's good for the earth too. It's good for this life too. It's profitable. It's beneficial. It's, it's, it's wise for you to do this. It's the smartest thing you could do. Hallelujah. I heard an evangelist years ago, and I had the opportunity to meet him also. And I don't know if you uh, know the, this, this dear brother. He went home to be with the Lord. But his name was Dallas Plemons. Dallas Plemons. And uh, he, he had a remarkable testimony um, in the 1950s, he was running from God as fast as he could go. But the Spirit of God was dealing with him. And in fact, he, he joined the army. And they sent him off to Korea to fight. And when he was in Korea, he found that the Spirit of God was, was there and was dealing with him. And he eventually, he surrendered his life to the Lord. And, and he began to just uh, uh, pray, fellowship with the Father... He, he would read his Bible, just feed on the Word of God. And, of course, he went to church to fellowship with other believers. And he would share the gospel with others, even in his unit or his platoon and that type of thing. And he said that as his unit or maybe his platoon was on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, a duty, on a tour, they were ambushed. They were ambushed by North Korean soldiers. And uh, the men were just shot to pieces. And they lay in a, in a heap on the ground, dead and dying, bleeding, moaning and groaning. And they did a, they did a little quick, uh, quietly did like a little roll call to find out who among them was alive. And, and only two of them were uninjured, Dallas Plemons and then one other soldier. Then he said that the, 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 the North Korean soldiers, they, they slowly moved in. And they, they, they put a bayonet through the head of every man. And they cut off his, his, his identification, his dog tags, and kept them. They're going through systematically, putting a bayonet through the head of every man. So the two that were uninjured, they whispered to one another, and, and they said, we got to get out of here. 
We can't just stay here. And uh, so they, they, made a, they said, okay, we're on three or something like that. Here we go. But Dallas Plemons said suddenly, the Lord spoke to him and said, don't move. Stay where you are. So he whispered to his friend, the Lord just spoke to me and said, don't move. Just stay where you are. And his friend said, Dallas, we don't have time for that religious stuff right now. We're in danger. I'm going. That man jumped up and ran. The North Korean soldiers used a gun that the GIs called a burp gun. It was a, it was a, a submachine gun. Fired a fast rate of bullets. That, that fellow didn't get 10 yards. They, they filled his body with lead, and he died. And those, those, those communist soldiers, they came closer and closer to where Dallas Plemons was. And he said, suddenly something came over me. And my body became rigid. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I thought, am I dead? Am I dying? And he said, I saw my skin turn a pale blue color. My eyes were like set. And I thought, I thought maybe I'm dead. What happened? And he said, when those Korean, North Korean soldiers came to him, evidently, you know, in Korean, they said, ah, you know, he's dead. It's obvious. So they didn't put a bayonet through his head. They just cut his dog tags and went on their way. And he said that after they were gone, I saw the color come back. I got mobility. You know, I could breathe. I was normal. He says I'm, he was the only man that survived an ambush by the Korean soldiers, North Korean soldiers. Friend, it pays to serve God. It pays to serve God. It pays to develop spiritually so that you can discern the voice of the Lord when he's dealing with you. you know, there's, a, there's a verse in the book of Job that says God speaks one, once, even twice, but man does not perceive it. Sometimes people say, I wish the Lord would speak to me. I've been in trouble. Many times I've, I've seen that he did speak, but we don't hear it. Because we're more body conscious. We're more soul and mind conscious. You can make as much noise with your mind as you can with your body. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. I'm going to wrap this up, but let me read to you one more scripture. I think just one. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. It's interesting, that's Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance or diligence. Verse 22 says his words are life to those who find them and medicine for their entire body, all their flesh. But the thing is, if you don't guard your heart, you won't be healed even if you are taking God's medicine. I said, if you don't guard your heart, you won't walk in the divine health and healing God has for you, even if you know the word of God. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. No one puts a CCTV camera near his garbage can just to make sure that nobody steals your garbage. We carefully guard valuable things. 
So since God is telling you, carefully guard your heart, that tells me your heart, your spirit is more valuable than your car. It's more valuable than your home. It's more valuable than your LED TV. It's more valuable than your swimming pool. It's more valuable than your job. It's more valuable than your fishing boat. It's more valuable. Somebody says, don't you touch my motorbike. This is more valuable than your motorbike. Come on. Hallelujah. Why? Because from it, from your heart, flow the forces of life. Why would God tell us to diligently protect our hearts? Obviously, it's because there are harmful things that can get into your heart if you're not careful. If you just walk around with an unguarded heart, you're going to have a polluted river flowing out of you. We have to be careful. We have to be diligent. Amen? And what injures your heart impairs your ability to hear from God. Are you out there? Hallelujah. What, what, what degrades your spirit hinders your ability to operate in the things of God. So, if we are offended, our faith will be feeble. I said, if we are offended, our faith will be feeble. To be offended, you know what it means, but it means to feel insulted or slighted. To have resentment towards someone because you have been mistreated or because you think you have been mistreated or not treated fairly. So there are two kinds of offense. Some because of real hurt. And some because of imaginary ones. But nonetheless, the offense is there. The body of Christ is filled with offended people. What a pity they're not here this morning to hear this message. I said the body of Christ is filled with offended people. There are some people who years ago were I mean, they were spiritually productive. They were, they were a, a, a vibrant witness for the Lord. Their prayers were effective. Their faith was dynamic. And then something happened. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's even a minor thing. You know, in this grand scheme of things, it really wasn't that important. But they've never recovered from that. I, I had a woman come to our church years ago at a woman's meeting on a Saturday morning. I mean, I wasn't there. And when she arrived, she, she wanted to read her poem. I guess she had written it that night before or something. And the woman in charge of the meeting said very politely, I'm sorry, we just don't really have time for that right now. And that woman left and she never came back. I mean, I think about the, the grace of God, the wisdom of God, the, the power of God that could have been administered to her over a long period of time. But thank God she has that poem. One woman, you know, brought her dish to the potluck and nobody touched her potato salad. And she stomped off, you know, hurt and distraught. Well, I'm, I'm, we live in an imperfect world. There, there are no perfect churches because there are no perfect Christians. Even if there was a perfect church, once you join it, 
It's no longer perfect. <laughs> I tell the people in my church, you know, uh, Pastor Greg, Pastor Mayhorn, I tell the people in, the, in my church, you know, when they, when they have a membership class, I say, right off the bat, I want to go ahead and apologize. Why? Well, it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. Somebody is going to say something that you don't like. Somebody's going to do something that bugs you. So I just want to get that out of the way. On behalf of the church, we want to go ahead and apologize right now. It's coming your way soon. I'm sure I've offended so many people. I didn't even know I did it. It's a gift. I don't know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Other people are offended over things that are more serious. It, 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 it's no joke. It, it, it is a painful, very hurtful thing. But whether big or small, the answer to offense is the same. Forgive. Forgive. Corey Ten Boone was arrested by the Nazis during the German occupation of Holland. She was arrested for, detained and arrested for hiding Jews in her home. In the concentration camp, her sister was tortured and died. Later, later Corrie ten Boone was liberated by Allied forces, allowed to go home. In 1947, just a couple of years after the war, she was speaking in a church in Munich, Germany on the subject of God's forgiveness. And she told them, God has cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. At the end of the service, a former concentration camp guard approached her. He held out his hand to her and said, Sister, isn't it good to know that God has thrown our sins at the bottom of the sea? Just like you said, she immediately recognized him. And all the painful memories just flooded her soul and her mind. She felt anger and hostility rise up within her. But then she wondered, does I recognize him, but does he recognize me? And the man continued, in your sermon you mentioned Ravensbrück, which is the name of the concentration camp. He said, I was a guard there. But since that time, I have become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I, I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Sister, will you forgive me? As she stood there, for just a few moments, but to her it seemed like hours. She knew she had to make a decision. She said it was the most difficult decision she ever made in her life. Silently she prayed, Lord, help me. Then, in an act of just pure obedience, she stuck out her hand to shake his. And in her own words, she said this, and I read it to you. As I did, an incredible thing took place. The current, like electrical current, Holy Ghost current. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. 
And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. She said sometimes after that she had to deal with painful memories, but slowly they began to dissipate. And not only was she blessed, but God could use her to be a tremendous blessing, not only in her native country, but around the world. The enemy is sometimes smarter than many Christians. He orchestrates these things to bring offense because he knows it will neutralize you and you won't finish your course. You will not fulfill your destiny if you remain offended. Hallelujah. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands toward heaven and thank him for his word today? How many of you are glad for the grace of God? unmerited favor and extreme kindness of God. None of us have any right to stand before God based on our own merits. It's because of the price that was paid for us, because of the blood of Jesus. Are you where you should be with the Lord? I would just like to encourage you as your friend. If you've fallen away from the Lord, if your heart has grown cold toward him, if the things of this world, and we all have to deal with this, the things of this world have cooled your affections for Christ, then it's time to make a change. And it begins with the heart to say, Lord, you are first, you're foremost. There's nothing else besides you. You have friends, you have family, you have colleagues, you appreciate them, you like to be with them. I understand that. But your friends didn't die for you on the cross. Your neighbors are not your savior. Your family didn't go to hell for you so that you could be redeemed. The man from Galilee did that for you. And not only that, he ever lives for you even now. I'm not asking you to die for Christ. I'm asking you to live for him. Have you given your whole heart to him? You can't say I serve God when you're holding back your heart from him. It's not your abilities. It's your availability. It's not your talents. It's, it's not your knowledge. Whatever you have, you've received it from him. Every good gift is from above. But lay it all down on the altar and say, I give myself for you with all my weaknesses, all my flaws. I live for you. One day you'll be in heaven. And a lot of things that seem so important right now won't matter then. There isn't time in this world to do all the things that you're fleshly nature would like to do. There just isn't time. 
When you get to heaven, you'll have a lot of time. I don't know if we'll go fishing in heaven, but I know there'll be a lot of time, a lot of time to do a lot of things. But you do have time in this life to do the will of God. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. With your head bowed, Father, I ask you to speak to every heart. My heart is also moved at this moment. If we've held back, if we haven't given you our all, we lay them, we lay our dreams, our desires, our ambitions, our hopes for the future, our thoughts, our plans, we lay them down at your feet, oh God. And we surrender to the will of God. Your way is not man's way, but your way is the best way. With all my heart, Lord, I will serve you. I'm not asking you to step into a full-time ministry. Only God can call you to that. I'm asking you simply to live for him every single day. Can you lift up your hands toward heaven with me right now and just praise the Lord in this place? Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus. If you have offended the Lord, if you know there's something that's displeasing to him, where you stand, where you stand, you know that you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, a lawyer who pleads your case before the judge of the living and the dead, and he never loses a case. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Just cleanse me. His word says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm speaking to Christians now to say, Lord, forgive me. Sometimes it's not the things that we've done that are wrong. It's just things we should have done but didn't do. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And I receive your forgiveness right now. Hallelujah. One more time, lift up your hands and just praise the Lord. Just reverence the Lord in this place. I want to say this to you. I have this in my heart. I want to be careful how I do this, sensitive to others' feelings. You know your own heart. No man knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man that is in him. You know your own heart. If resentment, anger, bitterness, offense has creeped into your inward man, I would just urge you today to forgive. Do it for your own benefit. Do it for your own sake. When we forgive, it's setting a prisoner free and then discovering that we were the prisoner, isn't it? God forgave you completely. And he doesn't remind you every day of all the things he forgave you about. He said, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Some people say, I forgive, but I'll never forget. No, that's not the kind of forgiveness God's after. Push it out of your mind. God will help you. Like Corey Ten Boone, when in just naked obedience, 
you say, all right, God, I'll do it. I'll forgive. He'll supply the grace. He'll help you. The power of the Holy Spirit will strengthen you. And when God shows you that you need to make a change in your life, know this, he'll also provide the grace to do it. He won't tell you to do something and not help you. He will. If there's any hurt, maybe someone really has hurt you legitimately. And I feel that that's actually true. God will deal with that person. That's his job. That's not your job. Don't get all messed up in all that. You let it go for your sake. You let it go. And I promise you, he'll heal your heart. He'll make it right. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. He'll take care of that. That's his job. Rather, he told us that we should pray for those who mistreat us. We should love our enemies. I want you to bow your head with me. I'm almost done here. But if there's anything in your heart right now towards someone, maybe in this church, maybe in your own family, maybe in this community, whoever it is, and I feel like there's some people you've been really hurt. It's not just a potluck supper thing. It's a big thing. And it happened some time ago. And that pain is still there. That hurt is still there. And I want you to know, my friend, he makes all things new. He makes all things new. Your pain will not be your identity. That's not who you are going to be for the rest of your life. You're not damaged goods that you'll spend the rest of your time just that way in hurt and in shame. No, rather, he makes all things new. Your part is simply to say, Lord, I release that person. I for, Just in obedience, I forgive that person. Do I feel like doing it? No, but I'm going to do it because it's what my Lord wants me to do. I know it's right, but I should forgive others even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven me. If that's you in your heart, just say, Lord, I forgive. And I think it would be good for all of us to say, Lord, I don't hold any